the week seems to come and go so fast. It's another Monday and another edition of the Fritzcast. Welcome. What are we going to talk about this week? A host of topics, if you will, such as Ted Cruz and John Kasich. Are they uh, are they plotting something? We'll dive into details. Also in Delaware, we had uh, presidential candidates stop by. No way. No way. And Hillary is, uh, in fact, joining that fray today. This very day, in fact. So we'll dive into that, too. Uh, and then we have a, a bunch of news stories to kind of sink our teeth into, talk about some topics with that. So get ready for this week's edition. And I'm not lying when I say it seems like it just, you know, comes and goes so fast. I can't imagine what it would be like to be doing uh, a show every day, or at least every weekday. Must be nuts, because my I go from one week to the next in the blink of an eye, like in the snap of your fingers. So in steps to be, uh, you know, just a tad more professional with the show. Like, you know, I told you, we got a boom stand, we have this pop filter... Now I'm wearing headphones, so I'm getting my voice relayed back to me in real time, and it's really weird. I don't know if you've ever done this kind of thing. Yeah, if you want, you can just you plug headphones into your computer. If you have a microphone, you can get the audio to play live in your headphones while you're talking. It's very weird, but at the same time, it's another step of professionalism to take in recording the show, because now if I want to shout, I can actually hear my voice and I can hear how you would hear it rather than how I've been doing it. I've been recording the shows and then playing and sitting through them real quick. Pretty much I record it in segments. I do like 10, 15, you know, blocks, 10, 15 minute blocks. And I listen to it and I'll go, yeah, I think that's a good take. That's how I do it right now. But uh, now it's like I don't, I don't even have to do that anymore. I can just, uh, you know, I can, I can sit here and I can listen and, uh, you know, like, uh, this is my Stewie Griffin. Uh, it's not very good. Uh, you know, uh, still, uh, when I, uh, when I do this voice, you know, makes, uh, makes people laugh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I look forward to listening to it. So, I can hear me do goofy, the, I can hear me do the goofy voices now. I can hear how loud I get. And, you know, it's just, it's another step to make the show better. Alright? Do you like that? Uh, you should. If you don't, I don't particularly care. It's my... It's my show. I've said that about a dozen times now, haven't I? It's my show, and I'll do whatever I want. So, I have uh, I have a week of Sergeant under my belt, and in just a couple of, just a few mere days this past week, I've seen how much more responsibility it is, and, you know, what you essentially signed up for. It's never what you expect, right? You expect, you, you think you know everything. And I thought I know everything, too. I was in positions underneath my lead workers doing the same work that they were doing, helping out, you know, being the being the employee they liked because he did stuff without complaining. Now I'm that guy with all that stuff, and I'm like, wow, this can, you know, this can really pile up. Not Not bad, necessarily. It keeps me busy. If you stay busy and your night goes by, like, quick... Who cares? I mean, you know, things are going to happen. You're going to have to write reports and pass them up the chain, and that's just that's just the nature of the business. That's what happens. But it's been fun, challenging, 
and refreshing. So it's all good things. Much needed change of pace uh, in my job, in my career, if you will. So there's that. Uh, let's see. Tomorrow I have Solar City coming to do the site survey. Uh, last week I didn't even tell you. I told you last week that I had the guy coming, but I didn't tell you how that go- how that went. So let me allow me to take a few minutes of your time before we dive in deeper into the podcast to tell you how that went. The Solar City uh, representative that came over absolutely 100% professional, cordial. Funny dude, blatantly honest, answered all my questions. Much different experience from the door-to-door guy they had when I first moved in uh, back in August. Absolutely answered all my questions. Left me with uh, you know no stone unturned. I have his email. I have his phone number. Now I have this whole team from Solar City ready to uh, work with me every step of the way. Very cool stuff. So he came. He looked at my roof initially. We walked all the way around the outside. Uh, it was uh, actually a. It wasn't the perfect time. It was like seven o'clock in the evening, so the sun was setting. But he still got a good idea of what hit my roof. They pulled. He pulled up uh, Google Earth, the satellite images of my house. They have this program where they can draw up and guesstimate how many solar panels can go on your roof. They take, into, they take into account obstructions on your roof, like chimneys, pipes, whatever, poking out of your roof. They take into consideration trees and how they might block production. So he drew this up. It's, uh, I think it's a 9.2 kilowatt system. Most of you are sitting there going, you know, I don't even know what that means. I just, just skip to the politics. Yeah, nobody's actually saying skip to the politics. You're, you're actually out on the edge of your seat right now. Tell me more. So it's like a 9.2 kilowatt system. Uh, we had to highball some of the numbers. They sit there and they look over your past year energy consumption month by month. Uh, the little bar graph that you can get from your electric supplier, if they even do that for you. So since we moved in in August, we had to highball all the rest of the months. We had up until you know up until now, so like half of April to work off of. So we had to highball May, June, July, and August because we moved in at the end of August. So we had to highball those numbers, and we did that for safety purposes. We'd rather have a higher number to try to aim to get to than a lower number and be off. So that's what he did. We have a good idea of what the system can produce and our energy consumption, and we know ways to cut it down. The, the, the good and bad thing about this house uh, when we bought it, everything in it is electric. That is, uh, that's good because it means I'm not worried about gas or oil bills that can fluctuate depending on my own usage and market pricing. You know, oil, I believe gets delivered to your house, whether you need it or not, they just fill up your tank. And as soon as it's full and then you get a bill, I don't have to worry about any of that. The downsides to that are that the duct work, the duct work in my house is all the vents are in the ceiling so when I turn the heat on in the winter it's coming it's getting pushed down which of course hot air rises so it doesn't really get the house very warm we use space heaters for that stuff that's an energy hog 
So the nice thing about the house is it usually stays insulated. Like when we moved in August, we didn't have to have the AC blaring. We we had it at like 72 degrees, 73 degrees, cooled the house down, kept it cool. You know, we have natural sunlight beating down on us the whole time. That makes us perfect candidates for the solar panels. So so he came and he explained that. He explained how it breaks down. He explained what happens if uh, the panels don't produce enough energy for us to cover our bill. It kind of gets split. We pay Solar City at the lower rate for all the energy that we can use from them. Any excess that the panels can't produce, we pay the power company. It all gets hooked up back into the grid. Pretty much. They're putting solar panels on a roof. It's going to produce energy. That energy is going to come down into a box. All the energy I'm using while it's producing will come directly from the panels. Any excess energy goes into the grid, and I I get credits for it as it builds up into the grid and goes out to the power company. And then when the sun goes down, I have all that built-up credit of energy that gets used up before I have to pay to use the energy. So does it make sense now? Cool. I hope it makes sense. So the surveyor is coming out tomorrow. That person gets to walk on my roof, climb through my attic, look at all the electronics in my house, and help put in all this info for the system to actually be designed. The program that the guy was here on last Monday, the program that he used, that's, you know, guesstimation stuff. It's approximate stuff that the computer decides. Now it's going to be an actual person sitting there designing it. And and all this at no cost to me. And it could be yours. Just contact Solar City. But I'll keep you guys updated on that saga. I'll probably do it on the podcast. I might throw up some, like, you know, little video snippets on the FritzCast Facebook page. Get some more content and material there. You know, just more boosting if you ask me. Right? That'd be awesome. So, as I opened in the intro, we had presidential candidates come to Delaware. What? That's right. One Donald J. Trump, presidential candidate for the Republican Party, was in Harrington, Delaware, at the Delaware State Fairgrounds. Now, I wish I had an actual number to report to you. Delaware Online, which is probably in the top 10 worst all news sources ever just says that the that the rally drew thousands i'm skimming through a wboc delmarva's news website real quick to see if they can give me a number and of course they cannot so all i know is that thousands were there actually a buddy of mine from work attended and, you know, I actually, it, were it not for work obligations and the fact that these things popped up last minute, I would have I would have gone to Donald Trump's rally. Same, that, uh, same way that I would go to almost any rally that, that came to Delaware. It's very rare that you get presidential candidates stopping in Delaware talking to us because we are, uh, delegate-wise, we're a little bit better, but electoral vote-wise, in the main election, we're three electoral votes. Uh, I think delegate-wise, it's something like we have 16 Republican delegates. In fact, yes, I have confirmed numbers, albeit from alabamanews.com, or al.com. Alabama News commenting on Delaware. Weird. So 16 Republican delegates, uh, 31 Democratic delegates. Winner takes all. Whoever 
wins the primary, gets all the delegates. So just remember that your vote really doesn't count. But I would have gone to Donald Trump's rally just to see what a presidential rally was like, just to be there to see Donald Trump speak his piece and to see that spectacle. Likewise, Bernie Sanders was in Wilmington, Delaware uh, on Saturday. I would have gone to that were it were not for work constraints. Hillary Clinton is here today. She'll be here at 11, closer to noon in Wilmington. And it's like, it's almost 9 o'clock right now as I record this. I, I could go to that. I'm just not, I'm not sure if I'm interested in going to a Clinton event. But that's beside the point. I'll, I'll, I'll discuss that later. I want to dive in. I just want to play this one audio clip from Trump's rally. I still have to actually listen all the way through. I have to listen to Bernie's, and chances are I will find Hillary's on YouTube and watch that too because I like torturing myself. But here's the clip from Donald Trump I want to play, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain why I picked this in a second. Just listen. Thank you. Oh, boy, oh, boy. This is great. We love to be here. Do we love Delaware? Do we love it? Yes? So, you know, when I left the office, I asked for a couple of things. I said, number one, I spend a fortune in Delaware. Nobody knows that, right? It's a great place. So I said to my people, I had no idea. I said, you know, we do a lot of business in Delaware. That's good, because that means taxes and everything. So I said, how many entities do we have registered in Delaware, like companies and this? So I figured they'd say maybe two or three, right? 378. I said, what? So we have 378 entities registered in the state of Delaware, meaning I pay you a lot of money, folks. I don't feel at all guilty, okay? I don't know. They might be off by a couple, but that's about it. They did it. They had about uh, 12 minutes to give me the answer, so it could be a little off. But you know what it is? It's a lot. All right? Good? That's good. All right? All right. So, and it's a great place. I'll tell you, they have great people. And really, they've done corporately an unbelievable job. Okay. Hello, folks. All right, cool. So, do you know why I played this audio? This is his introduction, by the way, before he dives into, you know, details in his speech. I played this audio. I'm going to give you this address. You tell me if you know what it is. 1209 North Orange Street. That's in Wilmington. You know what's interesting about this address? How about this? And mind you, this article that I'm reading, the New York Times, it was published in June 2012. And just recently, with the Panama Papers being released, this has come back into light. 1209 North Orange Street in Wilmington, Delaware, is the legal address of no fewer than 285,000 separate businesses. 285,000 separate businesses. This article dives in, quote, Its occupants on paper include giants like American Airlines, Apple, Bank of America, Berkshire Hathaway, Cargill, Coca-Cola, Ford, 
General Electric, Google, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Walmart. These companies do business across the nation and around the world. Here at 1209 North Orange, they simply have a drop box. End quote. Delaware, simply put, and everybody that lives in Delaware already knows, we're huge on the tax breaks for corporations. So much to the extent that you have that many registered at one address and all they have is a drop box? So when Donald Trump talks about how he has 387 or, or whatever that number was of businesses here in Delaware and he panders to the crowd like that, how many of those 387 could be at that very address with a drop box? Regardless of whether or not they are at that address, Delaware has always been very pro-business, lay on the taxes. Like, we're, we're a tax haven. Why are you going to sit there and pander about, oh, I give money. I give so much money to Delaware. I, I do lots of business. 387. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. I give you people a lot of money. No, you don't give us people a lot of money. You're here for the same reason any other business here. You're here for the same reason that the Clintons are here. In fact, an article from The Guardian posted mere hours ago today says right here, quote, the loophole is said to have cost other states more than $9 billion in lost taxes over the past decade and led to Delaware to be described as one of the world's biggest havens for tax avoidance and evasion. That's a direct quote from the article. Another direct quote right here. Eight days after Hillary stepped down as Secretary of State in February 2013, she registered ZFS Holdings, LLC, at the CTC offices. That is 1209 North Orange. Bill Clinton set up WJC, LLC. That's uh, a business to collect his consultation fees at that same address. There's a, there's a crap ton of companies. This this Guardian article reveals that there's more companies registered in the state than there is our state population. That's a little crazy. But I hate the fact that he can get up there and pander and people will be like, well, he's such a great businessman. He does all this business in Delaware. He's not. It's not really doing the business in Delaware. Okay, it's not like he, he started up, uh, you know, a billion companies and thousands and thousands of jobs here in Delaware. Just think about that. If you want to look at some of the other companies registered, just type in 1209 North Orange and you'll get a host of articles about it. You can get a list of, of the random companies that are registered there. But you have to remember, too, that Disney is here in Delaware. And some of it is because of the Court of Chancery. We have, we have that Court of Chancery for business related court cases, but overall it's just because we're a, quote, friendly environment for business. So look into that. There's a lot that you can dive into. Next story I want to dive into is apparently Ted Cruz and John Kasich are getting ready to do some kind of dual effort against Donald Trump. You see, it's all turned from, it's all turned from Cruz trying to win delegate-wise, to going to a broker convention. Now it's starting to make more sense why Kasich stayed in the race. It's all try to try to broker the convention. Uh, uh, this article comes from The Hill. 
John Kasich will clear a path for Ted Cruz in next week's Indiana primary, while the Texas senator will back down in two other states as the GOP presidential rivals join forces in the hope of denying Donald Trump the nomination. Now, likewise, Donald Trump has taken to commenting on it, says it's a move of pure desperation and in all honesty, everything is now. It's the GOP trying to reject Donald Trump. Mind you, they're doing it through legitimate means. If he doesn't get the 1237, I believe it is, that you need for nomination, they don't have to go forward and nominate him. They can do a brokered convention. It'll be first ballot, second ballot, third ballot voting. Whoever wins those will become the, the nominee. And the argument from, from the Kasich and Cruz camps are that, are that Donald Trump doesn't represent the majority of Republicans. And honestly speaking, you could say he represents about 30 to 40 percent, as that's mostly how he's been winning the primaries, been by about 30 percent. The rest of it has been divided between the other candidates. Now that there's only three of them in the playing field, yes, you eliminate Kasich, the votes go to either Cruz or to Trump. But that argument is pretty moot uh, when it comes to the fact that you're talking about individual votes and voting for who they want to support. Kasich is in the race. People do support him. So you can't play with their vote as if it doesn't count. It does count. Same thing. I was a Rand Paul guy. Through and through. I was ready to ride the Rand Paul wave all the way all the way through to the general election if he were to take the GOP nomination. I'm still a Rand Paul guy. You'll still hear me share a lot and talk a lot about Rand Paul on this program. I really think he got gypped. I really think the American people don't understand who they should have in that seat. But that's beside the point. Nothing was going to sway my vote away from Rand Paul. The poll numbers don't do that. Just because somebody isn't polling well enough doesn't mean that I reconsider and think, oh my God, my guy's going to lose. Who am I going to vote for? Until my guy says he's out and eliminated, that's when my vote changes. And that's why you have this interesting thing going on right now. Because people aren't looking at it like that. They're looking at it like, how do we win over these people? Or how do we get these votes some clarity? How can we define them differently? It's all in the playbook. That doesn't mean that it isn't questionable practices. Doesn't mean it doesn't need reformation. But everything that's being done and everything that will happen in the coming months, mind you, it's all laid out in the framework. It's all in the rule book, if you will. Just like Democratic superdelegates, the Republican has the, the, the Republican side of things has their process. It was voted on. It's been in practice for a long time. It was or at least should have been understood by all the candidates. It's just now that the voters are actually diving in and seeing how the rules are set, we find we don't agree with them. So to say the least, it'll be interesting to see how that plan for... John Kasich and Ted Cruz pan out. Now I want to dive into a local story that's been giving Delaware some national headlines uh, for all the wrong reasons. Thursday last week, a 16-year-old girl named Amy Joyner Francis died after an incident 
at school after a school fight between uh, several other students. Uh, now, uh, unfortunately, the details are a little lax. There's lots of rumors going around. There's lots of false reports going around. And it's hard to comment on the story because first and foremost, everybody needs to take a step back. The first thing to get out of this story is the fact that a 16-year-old girl died because of an altercation at school between fellow students. That's the first and foremost issue. Reading... It's stories like this that make me hate social media, like Facebook, Twitter, just all of it, including the comments section on news websites. People want to politicize this. They want to jump to conclusions with this. They want to ask 9 million unrelated questions to this story. The first and foremost thing is that a 16-year-old girl died from it. And fellow students, fellow peers are directly responsible for it. And that's basically the known facts right now. You can read on different news websites. There's, there's reports of students saying that it was a fight over a boy. There's reports saying that there was weapons involved. There's other reports saying that there was no weapons involved. And it's hard to comment any further on it outside of what is known. For instance, some of the comments that people rush to to politicize this are things like, what are the schools, what is the school going to do to ensure this doesn't happen again? And I hate reading comments like that because, first of all, what did the school have to do with it in the first place? It just took place in the school. The school is the setting. That's the place where it happened. And if it was done with no weapons, in a bathroom, no less... What did you expect the school to do? How did you expect the school to be there monitoring and knowing what was going to happen? This all boils down to individuals and how they act. Plain and simple. Sometimes you simply have to step back and look at people's actions. When more facts of this case come out, Maybe we can comment further. Maybe we can dive into some other aspects of it. But for right now, some people are directly responsible for the death of a girl. Whether that was their intention or not, the direct result of their actions was death. And that's pretty serious. But I, I want to be a voice among the people there. I, I want to be a voice amongst people talking about this issue that we need all the facts in front of us. We can't talk about what the school can do to, to prevent this. We can't talk about anything else other than boiling it down to individual basis right now. So first steps first. A young girl's dead. Mourn that. Pray for that. Pray for the families. Get the facts. Let the police do their job. Figure out 
as much as we can behind what happened and why it happened. Punish the perpetrators and find a way to heal. You can't rush to politicize it. You can't rush to find solutions to it. You have to figure out what happened first. Plain and simple. They, like, There's another story in Ohio right now. There was pretty much a mass execution. Right now the authorities and the story that I'm reading from is from theblaze.com. Right now the authorities are saying it was a sophisticated, pre-planned execution. The victims were identified Saturday as 40-year-old Christopher Roden Sr., his 16-year-old son, Christopher Roden Jr., 44-year-old Kenneth Roden, 38-year-old Gary Roden, 37-year-old Dana Roden, 20-year-old Clarence Frankie Roden, 20-year-old Hannah Gilly, 19-year-old Hannah Roden. Uh, Hannah Roden was actually executed in bed with her newborn baby nearby. Five-day-old baby at that. Hannah Gilly's six-month-old baby and one small child were not hurt. The, the the babies weren't hurt, but still, sixteen year olds get shot and killed in this. What is it with what is it with killing kids, killing teenagers? What the hell is wrong in in this world? This story in Ohio has question marks all around in it, all around and abound. Nobody knows anything at this point, but people are rushing to talk about gun control already. We we don't know any other details other than that these people were executed. That's it. But people want to rush? People want to politicize it? Before... It's like people politicize these things before before these people are even buried. You can't rush and politicize these things. You can't... You can't ask the other questions until the main question gets answered first. Who did this and why? That's the basis for almost any crime or any tragedy that happens. Who did this and why? Everything else comes later. You can talk about Howard's school and how they could beef up security. But honestly, are you going to put a security guard in the bathroom? How about these individuals in their homes? How could they have been protected? You can argue gun control all you want. That doesn't mean the people who did it still wouldn't have gotten their hands on a gun or wouldn't have done it with knives or any other means. It all boils down to why those individuals did what they did. In the case of the of the of the girl Amy at Howard, you could you could you could start to argue that the fight they didn't intend to, for her to get hurt and die. Does that matter at the end of the day? They picked a fight, they went too far, and their actions caused a death. I'm I, I'm going to wait for more news to come on them. I'm just putting it out there if you hadn't heard about them. Chances are you probably have, and this isn't, you know, this isn't the first or the second or the third. This is probably the fourth or the fifth time that you're hearing it. And I don't mean to bring up such sad, tragic stories. But they happen. They need to be looked at. They need to be addressed. But they also, people need to be chastised a little bit for wanting to push forward a political cause over them. That's that's that never let a good tragedy go to waste mindset. And it's very, it's very despicable in my eyes. It's very vile in my eyes. You gotta let the waters calm 
if that's even that's probably not even a good way to to say it but you really need all the facts to come out you need to go through some steps some things need to happen before you start diving in to background things like that other details solutions you know you can't you can't run off of what we have to go off of here there's a lot of there's a lot of information that isn't found out yet and I really wish that I didn't have to bring up such a tragic local story or the story in Ohio, but they happen. And they can't go on ignored or swept under the rug and not addressed. They need to be looked at. So I'm actually going to get ready to wrap things up. I know it's been a little bit of a lighter week. We've only touched on a couple of topics, but that's okay. It's okay to do that on occasion. Sometimes you just need a little dose of the Fritz cast rather than a large dose. And mind you, I give you two stories like that, and then I tell you like the news that everybody knows. Prince passed away last uh, last week. So did China from the WWE. Uh, Prince obviously is the big one. Wrestling fans are torn on China. It was almost like a ticking time bomb sort of scenario, which is sad too. It it would you know we don't know what caused either of their passings really. Prince was suffering from. Some kind of medical ailments, at least the, the the interwebs alluded to that, that he had canceled one concert, been to the ER, uh, went back, canceled some concerts again because of health concerns, and then was found dead. Interesting thing about that, by the way, you want to know how much uh, you want to know how much it costs to buy a Prince vinyl record right now? Over two thousand dollars. Two thousand dollars to buy a Prince vinyl record, and I think it's fifty bucks for a CD right now. He skyrocketed, and I mean, you know, he's a one of a kind, legendary musician, one of a kind person, really. If you dive into Prince's history, his nuances, his politics, even his politics were very interesting. I didn't realize how politically inclined Prince was, but if you go online and read into it, you'll see a very interesting man. When it comes to who he was. China from WWE. Of course she was uh, in Degeneration X. Dated Triple H for a while. She kind of went on the downslope. You know you had Prince. He was probably high. You know high in his career. High in his life. Very accomplished. Lots of, uh, lots of things going for him in China. From WWE. At this point in her life not so much. On a, on a lower end of things. So I don't want to comment on that, on whether it was drug use or not. I don't really want to dive into that uh, unless details come by that, I, that we can actually look at. The thing I did want to comment on is a friend of mine posted on her Facebook about, r- really it was a post ranting at people complaining about how they mourn for people. Specifically, Specifically in terms of uh, Prince and in terms of celebrities. This happens, you know, this happens periodically, especially this past year and a half, these past two years, really. We've lost a lot of celebrities that uh, were higher up, that were more notable. You know, David Bowie passed, Prince passes this past week, Alan Rickman, uh, Lemmy Kilmeister from Motorhead, which, you know, some people listening might say, wait, what? You're counting him as big. He's big to me. 
the whole thing is that people mourn in different ways. People have different connections to people. I tell you the story. I, I tell you these stories like the the family in Ohio, the the girl from Howard in Wilmington. You know, people are going to post whatever they want on their social media pages. Not everybody went on to Facebook and posted about this girl dying from a school fight. Not everybody went on their social media and posted about this family being executed in Ohio. Not everybody gets online and posts about terror attacks that happen across the world. I have friends on Facebook who will post when people who serve in the armed forces, whatever branch, when they pass, they'll post a little snippet and a little news story from a website that, you know, keeps up on that. I've got friends who do that for police officers, uh, corrections officers, public service officials. I have friends that post about celebrities when they pass. Everybody has their own different thing. Everybody has different connections and everybody has different reasons for their mourning. I hate that people would criticize how people do that on their own personal pages. For instance, Prince passes. To me, it's not anything that was a, like a personal hit. I wasn't uh I wasn't the biggest Prince fan on the face of the planet. I don't have everything he's ever done and that's okay. Some people like David Bowie when he passed. Some people were a huge fan of him as an actor and a musician. Absolutely loved him. When he passed, they were sad, and that's okay. Is anybody is anybody going to argue that? I there's uh there's artists, musicians, actors that I like that people maybe don't know so much on the spectrum or they don't like them. And when those people pass, I will be affected by it. I'll, I will, you know, I'll be sad. And I'll probably post something on Facebook and mourn it in my own way. Is there anything wrong with that? I don't think so. Why are we bitching? Pardon my French. I know it's a little late, right? I could go back and bleep it out. Uh, but that would take time and effort. And, yeah, I'm not doing that. But why do people complain about how people react to to deaths, celebrity or otherwise. It's all human beings, and at the, at the end of the day, death is death. Whether it was, whether it was expected, unexpected, uh, you know, brought on by somebody else. It's, you know, let people mourn. What the hell? We have, different, we have different things that we could be talking about and tackling and arguing about, but we're going to argue about how people mourn death? Really? Why? Such a waste of time. And it's petty. Not like Tom Petty, but, you know, petty. So, I'm going to close out. I'm going to tell you, next week I'm working on having a longer episode. It's not It's not the episode yet. I don't think it's going to be the election episode yet. But uh, there were some things I stumbled across. I just didn't want to throw it in this episode. Things like uh, uh, some interesting Bernie Sanders quotes on college. You know, because he goes around and he talks about free college all the time, and I just I found something fascinating from his past that he has stated before about college education. And I'm now I'm wondering why the hell you'll figure out when I do the episode. It'll be it'll be fun. It'll be great. Uh, but thanks for tuning in this week, guys. Pay attention to the Fritzcast Facebook page. Like I said, I think I think I might be doing some vlogs about the Solar City stuff. Especially the further it goes, the f- the more I can get like visual pictures, videos, whatever. 
the more I can do that, the more I'll do it on the FritzCast Facebook page, just so you can learn about it and be like me, because you know you want to. All right, like, share, thank you, comment, all this other jazz. Please and thank you. You're all great. I love you all. Good night!